Welcome to the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast, where it's all about, you guessed it, grant writing and funding made easy so you can increase capacity, grow funding, and advance your nonprofit or freelance mission. Now, let's hand it over to your host, grants expert and author Holly Rustic, so you can increase your funding and drive impact. Hello, hello, hello. It's Holly Rustic here with Grant Writing and Funding, and welcome to the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast Show where every week I help you grow capacity, increase funding, and to advance the mission of the nonprofit you're working in, or if you're a nonprofit consultant or freelance grant writer, the many nonprofits you're working with. And to help me do that this week is Philip Deng of Grantable. Now, I have been getting a lot of questions and I do not foresee these questions ending anytime soon. And that is about AI, ChatGPT, and all things related to grant writing. How can we apply this technology to grant writing? Can you use AI to write grants? Can you use AI to do research? And so much more. And if you can, how do you do it? How do you best do this? So. I wanted to reach out to the expert in this category, and that is Philip Dang of Grantable, which is actually an online AI technology platform that specializes in using AI to help you write grants. So this is amazing, but the thing is, is we're not just gonna talk to you about like, oh, you just copy and paste and you throw it in there. We're actually talking a lot about the ethics behind AI and grant writing today as well. And something I didn't know before I talked to Philip was that he said, actually, you don't wanna do your research or get your citations on ChatGPT or on AI at this point in time. And that's because it actually kind of makes up some of these citations. So do watch that when you're doing your research section and writing grants. And Philip also really explains how AI can help, especially smaller and more marginalized nonprofits, actually write grants. So I love you know coming into this with the human connection, with the curiosity, with a little bit of fear, and a lot of actually trying it out and seeing what works. So Philip really comes to the table, bringing that um, to it, so we can really dive in more and see how we can approach AI with grant writing. And I love what Meredith Noble said last week on the podcast. She was saying, grant writers aren't going to lose their jobs because we have AI out there. But if a grant writer at some point doesn't learn how to use AI, they will be out of a job. So I thought that was really interesting and we can really apply that here and go deeper into that real discussion, right, about is this going to create more accessibility for those marginalized nonprofits? How can nonprofits use it? How can grant writers use it to really start writing grants to streamline their time and so much more? So definitely we break all those things apart in today's episode um, with Philip Dang. So super excited. Stay tuned for this. And just a quick shout out. We are having our nonprofit consulting conference happening August 23rd and 24th. So be sure if you are interested in transitioning into freelance grant writing or growing your freelance grant writing business, please join us at the nonprofit consulting conference happening in August. You are definitely not going to want to miss out. And one of our amazing sponsors is GEMS, Grant Easy Management Software. They're also a sponsor of this podcast episode. So we love a big shout out to Grant Easy Management Software, who brings the sparkles to grant writing and grant management. So if you want a place 
to manage all of your grants, manage all of your submissions, have everything in one place, even a time tracker while you're writing grants and managing them so you can really see how long it takes and have billable hours. Definitely join Rachel and her team for a free demo for GEMS. And you can sign up for that at grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash GEMS, that's G-E-M-S. Thank you, GEMS, for being a sponsor of this episode and a sponsor of the Nonprofit Consulting Conference happening August 23rd and 24th. For all of today's show notes, including where to find Grantable and Philip Dang, do jump over to grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 279. You can find all of the links for today's podcast episode there. I hope you enjoy this podcast with Philip Dang from Grantable. Hey, Philip, how you doing? Hey, Ollie, doing really well. It's great to be here. I'm super excited because every single week we help people grow capacity, increase funding, and to advance missions of their nonprofits. And you're here to do that today in a very different angle today or something that's really trending. And we're going to be talking about AI and grant writing and the future of what that looks like. Because I know a lot of you guys out there are like, oh my God, I'm just going to take my job as a grant writer, or I don't even know how to use it. I could probably benefit. Or hey, if I know how to do that, I could submit a lot of grants, right? So we really want to turn you on to the conversation about it. And I'm so excited that I reached out to you on LinkedIn. I was like, please come on my show because you are, you know, in it. You've been in it since before ChatGPT like got mainstream and specifically for grants. So thank you so much for coming on for, to the show. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. And yeah, so just welcome again. Um, and can you just give me a little bit of background like about your position in, in AI at Grantable? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm the co-founder and CEO of Grantable, and we like to say it's a world-class grant writing assistant for any organization. And yes, it's powered by AI. Um, but I came to this idea after about a 15-year career in the nonprofit sector. So I was a volunteer teacher in the Marshall Islands in China. I came back and I did community organizing in the Seattle area, and that inspired me to start my own nonprofit. So um, I was 26, and I wanted to organize a public market into being that would help immigrant and refugee cooks to start food businesses. And I kind of made every mistake in the book. I was, you know, your stereotypical solo executive director trying to do everything, trying to write grants. And I just remember spending huge, huge, huge amounts of time and then getting to the semifinals or really, really far into the process and then just never really pulling down a big one. Um, and that was really, really um, heartbreaking at the time. And so it kind of left a mark but I did get better and better at it. Um, I managed grants at a big nonprofit, and then I was a freelance grant writer for a long time. And during that time, I came up with systems that made me effective uh, and really efficient in drafting answers from boilerplate. And then during the pandemic, I started to play around with um, learning how to make software and seeing if I could build a tool to take my little hacks and make them to, and share them out to people. Um, and then I heard about GPT-3, uh, which came out in late 2020 and started playing around with it. And I just immediately thought there, there could be something there. Um, so I did some startup accelerators here in Richmond, Virginia, where I live. And I got into these uh, programs that help entrepreneurs or first-time entrepreneurs to get off the ground. And I met my co-founder, Robert, who's a an amazing software engineer. And now we kind of have both sides of the puzzle. We've got, you know, deep grant and nonprofit sector expertise and this kind of wild idea for what the software can be. And then 
this guy who now knows so much about the grant space and he is just a, an incredible uh, builder. So it's been really fun the last uh, year and a half that we've been working together. I love that. That's so awesome. And fun fact, I did not know you were out in the Marshall Islands before. That's awesome. Do you know where the Marshall Islands are? I live in Guam, so yeah, yeah so we're actually not that far. Well, I mean, oh, we're my. so far, but we're in the Pacific. So yeah, we have a lot of people from the Marshall Islands here. That oh, that's are. awesome. Yeah, the next stop after Kwajalein. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's awesome. I'm like, hey, he's been to my neighborhood, kind of ish. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, okay. I never, I, I, I never want to assume, but that's so cool. Yeah. So, and, and just your, your, your journey too. Like, I love that you've had all of those different hats to really say, you know, trying to do it on my own as a solo, you know, executive director, like that was not working <laughs> out that well in those ways. Right. And then also like, but it also, I think there was some magic in that is that it created you or it had you create like systems. Right. So then you're saying like boilerplates and and you had to be creative, apparently, right, to then say, how can I do this? How can I repeat it without me starting from scratch every single time? So I love that that kind of like mindset, right, then helped you develop these amazing systems, which now you're you're basically pulling those into AI, those types of systems to be used again and again. So that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate you bringing that up. I, I don't think it's that original in the sense that I've now spoken with hundreds of grant writers over the last few years, and everybody comes up with their own tricks to get a little bit more efficient. It's a spreadsheet or a boilerplate document or some kind of organization system. So it, I really see this as an evolution and an improvement on the things that we're all making. So, um, you know, I know that one of the things that can be a little bit challenging right now as AI is so new and so capable um, that it feels like it's taken this big leap uh, but I, I think one way to figure out where it maybe fits in your toolkit is it is like, I think, an evolution of the, those little hacks and tricks that most grant professionals have added to their to their work. Yeah. So and I love how you're saying that because then it's not so foreign because a lot of you guys might be like AI, all of a sudden that seems really abstract and I'm kind of like mentally closing down to that. <laughs> you know, it's a lot. But if you think about it from like your boilerplates, like one thing we have here at Grant Writing and Funding is a master grant template. And we also have a master grant budget. And those are all, like you said, like they're boilerplates. It's things then that you can write grants, you can pull from that to then customize grants and all of that. So it's like creating those, but then also using technology to kind of assist is kind of what I'm hearing, right? Is yeah, that I think exactly. When when we make a boilerplate document, what we're recognizing as, as humans is across proposals, there are these common patterns. And then we have these templates that more or less fit the pattern with a little bit of adjustment. And that's really similar to what these large language models like GPT are doing. They are incredibly powerful pattern recognizers and replicators. So it is doing something in its own software code way um, that is quite similar to what we do in our human way when we recognize patterns and then do that matching. Nice. Okay, that totally makes sense. Yeah, because it is. It's like if I'm going to have like I need the goal of the program. I need what are your objectives? What are the, what is the need behind it? What is some research, right? And in all, any grant application I come across, they're going to be asking those types of questions. They want to know right. the budget. You know, you have to kind of 
use your human brain to figure that out, right? And then you can, we even use other things like Google and, and foundation search and looking for, you know what I mean, different uh, softwares, right? Those are all, a lot of those are based in AI. We just haven't maybe had that conversation with it in that way, right? Or approached it just thinking, that's just yeah. software. Right. Absolutely. I think you're you're pointing to a really important um, distinction. AI is a artificial intelligence is a phrase that some people take issue with because for a number of reasons. Um, one, because it really kind of it lumps together several different disciplines within technology and computer science, um, machine learning, uh, and then it also kind of implies it this intelligence, the, the, that second part of the phrase, people start to debate and really get to the nature of intelligence and sentience. And that's a, it's, that's a great conversation to have. It's, it's incredibly philosophical and I think it's really exciting as well, but sometimes it obscures the actual technology uh, that is very, very fast or very, very precise or very, very efficient but it's called intelligent and it might feel intelligent to us, but there, there are many different technologies that are all over our daily lives um, mm -hmm. that you probably don't even notice because they're so ingrained in our rhythms. I made a, a, a golf uh, appointment on my, on my Google calendar with a friend for a couple of weeks from now. And all I said was golf. And then the, the banner image was golf themed in my uh -huh. calendar. So like Google is reading the event name and then using some kind of probably algorithm or machine learning to say, oh, I should probably put a golf ball image here. And so it's, I, I barely even noticed it because it was so, so part of our lives. But I think if we zoomed back 20 years and that happened, I would like say who's, who's <laughs> watching my, my calendar or something. So yeah, I think it's, it's something on the same progression. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Cause I mean, even Netflix, you know, it's going to tell you like, what are you going to, this is, these are movies Holly likes. Right? These are, you yeah, know, like, exactly. Movies. Or if you shop on Amazon and suddenly yeah. that thing that you, you know, were thinking about or thought you, how, how did you know, how did this shopping tool know that I wanted that? Um, yeah. So a lot of, a lot of things in our lives are basically taking huge amounts of data, looking for patterns and then trying to make decisions for us at scale. And I think there is a lot of importance to remember that that's happening because when these systems make decisions for us, that's when we really need to pay attention and have a higher level of awareness and control over what's going on uh, just so that we aren't um, sort of missing some important uh, points of control that we should have. Oh, I like that. Yeah, and I like that, you know, just like we're talking about how natural it is and how integrated it is into our lives that we might not even see it. So those of you listening or watching, you might be like, but I'm a little bit scared of it. But yeah, as we understand, like, I think we're all a little bit scared. <laughs> like, there's, the, there's the bottom line. But it's also so integrated that it's, it's you know, some of the fear is, you know, we, it's okay. We can talk about it. And it's, but still, it's such a part of our lives that there's some normalcy that we've developed to it as well. Right. Um, yeah. You know, and that's kind of comforting to know as well, I think. 
I absolutely, and and I actually wrote about this in in my newsletter a few months ago. But I actually think the fear is a really healthy and very rational response. You know, it it is coming from our circuitry, which is scanning the world for different agents, right? Like other um, usually animals or people or things that have an awareness and could have consequences for us at, for in terms of survival. And so we have this, this instinct when we see something that feels intelligent on the screen and is responding to us in a way that a human being might, our senses should go on alert. And so fear or anxiety is, is a rational response and a really important one because mm-hmm. this is an extremely powerful technology. It is changing so quickly. And because we're already so uh, tech networked in terms of our lives with smartphones and our online uh, lives and work, the now AI, as it gets introduced, it already has that network to come into our lives. So in many ways, it's going to be very, very fast and it is increasingly powerful. So I, I kind of want to honor the, the people that are feeling a bit scared and say, hey, that's, that's a really important perspective to, to hold along with some curiosity, I would say, are the, the two ways to balance that. You know, it's a, it's a healthy fear-curiosity balance or caution and curiosity as we move into this. Anybody that's just like giddy and thinks all of our problems are just done i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't follow that person but the other thing the other extreme is please don't put your head in the sand and you know say oh this is not for me it's it's already here it's around us and i and i think our sector especially has a leading role to play in how society aligns ai to be human centered and planet centered so i think the fear is absolutely warranted in in many respects but what do we do with it and I hope it heightens our awareness of the technology yeah yeah and I've had a lot of these conversations I was telling you in the green room like with the PTA even and you know we really come to understand that it's it's like oh we should have ethics and technology as a class like as a required class like you know those types of things like we need to instead of just like banning it like or just like being totally open and not understanding how to utilize it. But like, there's also, like you said, there's that higher thinking that also can be associated with it. So it's it's really interesting. And, you know, that's kind of my approach too. And I love that you're doing this is that looking at it with curiosity, but also honoring that fear because it is moving so quickly. So there is a lot of like shock value. Yeah, <laughs> way, right? absolutely. I love <laughs> that ethics in, in technology class. I think we should have we needed it 20 years ago, but okay. I guess better late than never. Yeah, we're like, let's do it. We got to put it in because we got to Yeah, absolutely. It, you know? And just the rubric of learning, right? They were like looking at learning modalities and all of that. It's very yeah. interesting. So yeah, and for grant writers though, as we kind of circle back to that, as far as, you know, because a lot of grant writers then are thinking, you know, they're getting excited. So there's like different kind of emotions, I think that are, that are happening, right? It's I'm excited. Will this write all my grants for me? Especially the nonprofit executive directors. <laughs> like that. And then the other grant writers are like, this is going to take my job, right? So like, where do we kind of fall in with this? Because you've been working on this for a while. You have a software built for this. Like, yeah, let us know. Break it down for us. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, totally understandable response. I think the best analogy that I have for what grantable or GPT is for grant writing, it's like what the sewing machine is for making clothing. So oh, I like that. Before, before the sewing machine, you stitched stitch by stitch. And before AI, you're writing, or I mean, I guess if we really backed it up before to typewriters, you really are writing every single word by hand. Then you have the computer and you can start to copy paste. And so we're getting faster, we're remixing. And then now with, with generative AI, you can take your existing content and you can have the, the language model remix it for you for particular use cases. And the reason I, I don't think that it's going to eliminate grant writing jobs is because I, for the same reason that the sewing machine didn't eliminate sewing jobs, um, seamstresses were quite alarmed when this technology was coming into the world and they thought it would spell disaster for the industry. Um, mm -hmm. But just like you can't just turn on a button on a sewing machine and get a shirt, you, you really have to actually be quite skillful about guiding the fabric and figuring out designing the garment. Um, but you can go, you know, a, a thousand times faster than you could before. And so I think something very similar is happening here. You can go faster, but people that are inexperienced may go fast and end up with a really bad product. So that's something that I think grant professionals need to be helping their clients uh, or their organizations not to do. Don't just drop something in chat GPT and say, okay, great, it's done. You really do have to guide it with even more uh, skill, I would say, and nuance than before, but you can go much faster with less effort. Um, the other thing that happened with sewing machines is that it made clothing much cheaper. So instead of having a couple outfits that we wore for years, people started to have many outfits and fashion started to become a way that people express themselves. Clothing became more complicated. So it actually created a bigger sector, a bigger demand um, for clothes. So if you look at the sector right now and how many organizations are really ex excluded from the grant seeking process because they don't have the capacity or they, they, they just don't know uh, what's going on in, in the space, I think one of the things we should really ask ourselves is how can AI and other technologies, how can our policy and culture change to bring those folks in, especially now that maybe uh, we can actually provide them with services uh, where they might not have been able to afford them before. So I think if we can expand uh, who can have access to grants, It'll be really good for the world, but it'll be really good for the grant professional sector because it's just like way more people have access to clothes, way more people have access to grants, and maybe the grants themselves will also change in nature to be less annoying, for lack of a better word. <laughs> Super annoying. Yeah, and uh, that's a grant writer talking. Yeah, we're both grant writers. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It is. There's so many like. Uh, half the time I look at these, uh, I'm, you know, the proposals and I'm like the FOAs and the RFEs and I'm like, why are they asking for these certain things? It's, it's really creating 
you know, inequity too, because you do then a lot of nonprofits, like you're saying, they do need to hire someone who's very specialized to write these even grants because they don't even know where to start. And that costs money, right. And the whole thing, like they, they, if they're not able to do that, they're not able to enter into a lot of these grants. Right. So right there is like, that's a way to kind of like make the playing field a little more equal is with using AI. And you have the software too, and where people um, can look at that, right? So I think that's really interesting. And, and then you talked about the cost and that was an interesting thing too, is like, this could actually be more affordable if they have access to a technology where they can put things in and, and enter. And I'm, I'm imagining um, it's more about like, you can look at an application, put in the questions they ask, and also like the things that you've developed on how you would answer that. And then it would help generate. Is that kind of where I'm, is I'm, am I on the nose there with that one? Yeah, well, at least with, with our software, that's exactly it. If you're brand new to it, you can upload any kind of writing that you have that might go into a grant. Ideally, previous, recent, thorough grant proposals that are really well-written put one in, just upload it. And then from there, it can already start answering questions that you encounter on future proposals. And there's kind of a, a, a three-step process. You put it in the question, you can give it specific instructions, how you want it to address the question. And then um, you provide it with context. Um, so from that document or from your whole history of work in Grantable, either you manually can say, use this, this, and this, or you can say, just suggest what you think are the best uh, recent works that I've done to answer this question. And then it'll give you a draft and then you can edit that however you like. Um, if it's not right, you can go back into the previous steps and kind of change those ingredients around, come back and see what it writes. Um, and then you can also ask it for help to adjust that output. You can say, make this shorter, make this longer, make this funnier, make this more formal. characters. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A hundred. That's a very popular one. Is is oh, getting it yeah. to a, a word count. Um. So yeah, that's how. That's what our our flow looks like. Yeah, and yours is just more specific for grammar. So you could go into ChatGPT or any other AI and do something similar, but it's just not set up in the same type of process as you have with yours, right? It's a it's a different type of kind of. I get this question a lot. Like, why can't I just use ChatGPT? Um. And the best way that I've come up with explaining it is. It's a bit like uh, the difference between going to a restaurant versus having a personal chef in that if you go to the restaurant and you order the dish, they're going to use what's in their kitchen, their ingredients. Mm -hmm. If right. you have a personal chef, you go into your pantry or you find your ingredients, you say, I'd like to have this dish, the chef will cook it and give it back to you, but you know they're your ingredients, whereas if you're using ChatGPT, it's from the training data. It's from this massive amount of uh, material that it learned how to write by studying, and then it will generate something it thinks looks like what you've asked for. So I was actually listening to um, a previous episode of yours, and what I heard was that um, it wasn't very good at writing, and it was better at research, which is actually the opposite. And it's, it's a mistake. Yeah. A lot of folks are sort of um, uh, understandably uh, kind of, it's difficult to see uh, what's happening because the writing might not be outstanding, but its skill is actually in writing very well. It has studied 
an enormous amount of data. I mean, almost as large as the internet itself. And it has extracted patterns from all of the different types of writing that it studied. And then it's analyzed them mathematically. And it's kind of mapped the relationships between hundreds of billions of different parameters. And then when you ask it something, it breaks apart what you've said, then it looks for patterns in its training, and then it identifies what it thinks is the right response, and then it actually creates something new for you. It's not cutting and pasting from things in its training data. It's generating each word based on probability, which is kind of amazing to think about, but that's why it has no idea what it's saying. Every single next piece comes out based on a mathematical formula of what's most likely to come next. And what comes out is miraculously usually makes sense and sometimes is incredible. But the reason why the stats are oftentimes wrong or totally imaginary is that it's trying to make what looks like a response to a grant proposal answer. Um, so it's almost like a, a prop on a movie. It's only meant to look real. It's meant to look a certain way, but if you look closely, it doesn't maybe do the thing that it, a real version would. So if it thinks a stat should go here, it will just put a number because a number looks like any other number, but it mm -hmm. won't check. It's not researching for that number, doing any kind of calculation. It just says a grant proposal answer usually has a number, you know, or five numbers in and it will just put those together and it will look upon first glance quite nice. But as you mentioned in your previous episode, sometimes the sources are totally fictional or you can't find them. The organization doesn't exist. So it's actually really good at writing and really bad at research right research. now. In fact, it it yeah. doesn't do research. Um, yeah. So, but a lot of people are using it. They're asking it questions and it is very confidently giving them Kind of oh, yeah. responses so it's very very misleading yeah yeah so just it is really good at writing and if you if you tune it the way that we have um then it will use your facts and your figures so it's depending on your research so if your numbers are off i don't know i can't i can't help you but if your data is good if your numbers are good um, then it won't it won't change those it'll say okay i'll use your ingredients i'll cook okay. you I love that. Yeah, because I've been doing so much. Like I just did a fundraising appeal letter and it was like, give me data, data, give me stats. And it was like, I'm going to do all this. And then I was like clicking on the links and I'm like, link expired, link expired, link expired. You know what I mean? So I was like, give me some real ones. <laughs> give me some more. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and yeah. like I think one that was like good. You know what I mean? I was like, okay, this is a little you know, bit. Those links might not even exist. It might be generating something to look like a URL. Oh, that's crazy. So it, it knows, that. Yeah, it knows that it should be HTTPS, you know, forward slash, forward slash, da, 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 and then some number, maybe, you know, like, like we've all seen, but some that may not even be a real link that it ever saw. It may just be generating something that looks like a link to a source. That's so interesting that they can even do that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, but so when, do you think that there will become a point when it does research? I mean, that's going to be, that's a need. Yes. Um, and I, I wrote about this in my newsletter that'll come out tomorrow. So if anybody wants to read this, I'll try to explain it well, 
here live, but uh, I think what is likely, what is very interesting and is already happening is that the, if you think about these large language models like GPT, they're very good at the language part, interacting with us. So taking what we give it in natural language, turning that into numbers, doing something with it, and then turning new numbers back into text or images for us. So that's the exchange that happens really well with GPT. What people are experimenting with now is having GPT talk to other data sets. So there are these things that um, OpenAI, which is the company that has created GPT, um, they're called plugins. And so basically they're having GPT ask the Expedia database, you know, um, so you tell it, hey, book me a flight to, you know, San Antonio next Tuesday. And it will translate that and then learn how to talk to the Expedia database and pull out its flights and then bring back that information and present it to you. So it doesn't do the thing that the Expedia database is doing in terms of maintaining real flights and prices and statuses and all that stuff, but it can ask other data sets for information. But the important thing is still, it's not, it doesn't understand mm -hmm. what is coming back necessarily. It doesn't check it, but I think people will definitely improve these things. I think this is the direction where it will go. Um, I mean, Bing and Bard, Microsoft and Google's search thing, that's what they're pursuing with just all out tens of billions of dollars is how can you interact with, how can you search the internet in natural language and have it be reliable and, and well-sourced? So there are a bunch of companies working on it. Um, so I think that will happen. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, so because like when we give that research component, that's going to be really helpful because that's a super time-consuming part of writing grants, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, absolutely. Research. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I think helpful. that will be really, really, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I love that. So, and then, so we can like take down like some of our boilerplates like we talked about. We can look at applications or uh, FOAs or RFPs, right? And then we can use this AI to help us generate something that's maybe a little quicker than we can write on our own. And just as an example for that, like when I did my fundraising appeal letter, um, it did, it wrote something very nice. And grant writing, you know, that's the thing is, it's not super academic writing. It's really meant to be layman's terms, more of like a journalistic kind of approach, right? And I think AI is very good at that type of writing, right? As far as like layman's simple, concise, it's the thing, you can make it even more, you can tell it to do more of that, right? But, you know, using that, it does, when I wrote it, you know, I said, well, I told AI to write the fundraising appeal letter. It was really easy. I was like, write this for this, I think it was an animal shelter. I just used like a generic nonprofit. You know, we're having an event this day and we need to raise money for this thing, for, you know, vaccination of a hundred animals, something like that, right? stray animals and write it. And it wrote it up you know, in a couple, like less than 30 seconds and it was done. That would have taken me, you know, an hour to write or something to really think about, write out, you know, structure and on my to-do list forever. So I can really see how beneficial this could be for grant writing too, because you can have write certain, certain sections, use what you've already written, repurpose that material and make it, you know, augment it slightly for this specific question for this grant. 
So I think that can be very helpful for grant writers. And just like you said, though, is in as far as your example of the seamstress, right? Nonprofits might not know how, like, I don't even know how to use a sewing machine. <laughs> My mom does. Like, I don't know how to use a sewing machine. I do. Machine. I don't need to be taught. Yeah, like, I would need to be taught. So um, they might not want to do that still. I don't think it's going to rule out the world for grant writers, as you had kind of said, because there still needs to be somebody at the machine doing the work, doing the thought process. There's going to be an evolution because of this too, potentially, right? Because of the way we're writing. So can you kind of talk about that for those people who may be fearing loss of their job or they're a freelance grant writer or something like that? Like this actually might enable you to write more grants, get more funding for your clients and take on more, more clients. Would you agree to that? I would say yes, except the first one, it would, I'm, I'm hopeful it'll enable you to write less grants to take ah. on more, more clients and make more money. Um, and so what, I, if I were still uh, running my freelance practice, um, what I would be doing is figuring out how to use AI and restructuring my packages that I offer to clients so that I could lower the package price, but also lower the time investment, work with more organizations, especially those that previously couldn't afford my services or are from marginalized communities. And my package would look like um, work up front to write really great narrative, the old fashioned way, you know, if it's the first time to establish a baseline of really, really great writing that the AI mm -hmm. can use later on. Um, so maybe applying for a grant and working together to make sure that it is just, it's outstanding. And then starting to sort of put the training wheels on and see if folks on staff can take that and use the tool to actually generate responses to what are then kind of repetitive proposals at that point. And then shifting our work to really think about strategy, about, okay, if this is year one, what do we want year two to look like and how do we get there? What are our you know, data practices, budgetary practices, relationship building, all the other sort of higher level functions that most professionals know is kind of, it, it's the iceberg beneath the water, right? There's the writing that everybody looks at and then there's all this other stuff that AI isn't touching. So that's how my practice would evolve. And to me, where I, I hope uh, people can be optimistic about the, the implications of AI is that you could have more variety. You could work with more uh, clients that maybe you want to, but you couldn't quite figure out the financing at, at one point improving equity, and then really drawing more on higher strategic and creative functions. Um, so that's really what I see this technology enabling. So, you know, working really hard on grant number one and not working really hard on grant number 10. Uh, yeah. Whereas right now it's, it's marginally less effort because you have mm -hmm. the boilerplate. This should take it way, way down and, and potentially even enable people on staff or volunteers to get it most of the way. I mean, you could, you could even see um, somebody on staff or from the organization getting the draft together with, and then, you know, you can do the fine tuning. And that's, that's another way to sort of evolve the, the practice and bring it into sort of this next AI uh, evolution. I love that so much. Yeah. So and in that, because it's so important to have like that onboarding too, like with a client, right? A lot of times you don't think about that, like every freelance grant writers out there and you're like, I'll just write the grants. But that first grant, 
that's the doozy. That's your mm -hmm. trying to documents, figure out the nonprofit, all of the things. Like, so I definitely recommend like an onboarding cost as well, right? And that yeah. would be you could have that as like that's our main thing. And then, you know, the grant two is we work with your staff and train you up. And then grant three, we just are there for support if you need us. And then we can focus on higher level strategy. So that's that's a wonderful thing because that way you said that iceberg, man, that's all of the relationships and, you know, knowing who to contact and connecting nonprofits with funding sources and all of that, right? So I think the, the yeah. stat from GrantStation uh, from their latest analysis is it's something like 93% of organizations do not work with an external grant professional. So 7%. And so we got 93% of the grant seeking universe out there, um, and then even more who don't apply. Um, yeah. So I just think there's a lot of potential to reach out to that group. Oh, absolutely. That's huge. And yeah, and then even for it to be in staff, like to know how to do that. And so if we talk about this, that would obviously tremendously and exponentially increase the number of grants being written. If people are to take advantage of this and do more training, more people have access, there's not as much gatekeepers, if you will. And so all of a sudden, if we have more grants being written, like already grants are competitive, right? What is that going to do? Do you foresee with kind of the review process and monies available and all of that kind of like on the other side, then all of a sudden, we're going to get flooded with grants, basically, right? So like, what's kind of your take on that? I mean, I think if, if we looked at it sort of in a in a like a frozen a snapshot that seems like it would be the outcome but you don't live in that in a vacuum like that so i think funders are of course also paying attention to the same developments what i think we want to avoid is robots writing to robots reading you know which yeah. is a lot of what happens in job applications at this point you know mm -hmm. online um you know you put in your your resume and it says, oh, we'll optimize this for the best jobs. And then it gets optimized and sent to a thing that is like evaluating it and screening the first line and it's this loop. So I don't think that's the ideal scenario. Um, mm -hmm. I'll put another uh, flag in the sand and say, you know, I think from what I've heard, most funders wanting to address, you know, challenges at a systemic level, yeah. you know, talking about equity until you know, until their faces are blue. Um, it seems like if a huge excluded population uh, of, of organizations are suddenly accessing the grant system, that seems like a great thing that we as a sector should figure out, okay, how do we, how do we deal with this? So I think some of the things that um, I'm excited and I'm speaking with funders about are prior to the application. How can AI actually help people to figure out um, whether or not this is a good applica application to go after? Is there alignment here? So that's one thing. Um, having pre-screened uh, or like if you submit and it's a very short little synopsis where uh, the funder can really go through a ton of maybe even AI generated, uh, you know, one page pitches and then invite organizations into more uh, longer application processes is another way. I think what we what we have right now is an incredibly inefficient system where I, I've read up to 46% of the funding is actually costs more than it's worth. 
because there's so much misapplication going on. So I think if the if there are more folks applying and we can use these technologies and get on the same page together and start reducing the number of like applications that are just getting sprayed all over the place, um, I think what we can do is kind of reach a, a, a new equilibrium. And then we're also working on some stuff uh, at, at Grantable that I probably can't tell you now, but I hope I'll be able to come back in a future episode and share with you that I think would be really exciting for the sector too. Absolutely. Yeah, it is interesting, you know, like to say like, what's going to happen, but I, I like your take on it that we need to be involved, right? And it is trying to get worked out. There are things that are changing right now, um, and but it's still kind of stuck in this archaic mode for a lot of it, right? Um, especially federal grants, like that's a big system to change, right? And it, it's they try to do it like, I don't know, as objective as they can with grant reviewers and all of that. Um, but so much of what they ask for puts so much burden on the nonprofit because it's so much work to do, right? So mm-hmm. it's right away that, like you said, that just creates disparity because a lot most nonprofits don't have time to do that. They're running the organization. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're trying to. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, ah, but I, I love like we, it needs to be changed. And I know this has been, you know, we've been talking about this for years. Um, Boulay, right, he's been like an advocate for changing this on its head too. Like, you know, and, and even those unified systems are more like a two page. What if you had a uniform grant? What if you could just put it in somewhere and it did dating for you and connected you with sources and places like Just Fund are doing that. You know what I mean? Like, it's exciting to see the changes. So um, do you think like maybe even just that, like even how, what questions are going to ask, like all of those things could even be changed, like how difficult it is to even prepare, even though maybe there's some of that difficulty will go away with AI, you know, it's still kind of, like you said, annoying. <laughs> like the yeah, I, I think it will change the the format. I I actually think there's a lot of interesting things we can do to change the the value of where we're valuing the information. Because when an organization has uh, gone through, you know, writing an application and then a a grantor has reviewed it, why can't those grantors uh, talk to one another and share that information? So it's kind of like the common application. So I think you're, you're definitely onto something, Just Fund is onto something. It's basically like we we have all this um, redundancy and replication in the sector that I don't think anybody wants. It's just that that that's been the best system. And so I think yeah. where we are right now is we have this very very interesting new technology that changes the equation. And so I think a lot of companies, a lot of organizations, uh, a lot of um, organizers, and and culture makers in our sector are trying to figure out how we've been trying to figure out for a long time folks like Vu have been trying Mm -hmm. to figure out how do we do this in a way that isn't just so obviously inefficient to to everybody um Mm -hmm. so yeah I I I see myself as very much in uh shoulder to shoulder with those efforts trying to figure out you know at the end of the day how can we vastly improve uh, the funding equity and and efficacy in the sector. Um, as that guy was trying to fumble his way through a, a nonprofit, you know, like there are folks out there far far more skillful than I was, but 
that are struggling just as much to, to bring in funding and doing really awesome work. So how can we get them the, the money that they, they need from an organization that is trying to find them, trying to, yeah. to get that money out there? So there's something broken here. Uh, we, we just need sort of a new or a, a very updated system to handle the kind of world that we live in now. Right. Yeah, it was it was really um, inspiring to me because um, when Wu came on the podcast years ago and he was talking about this and I, it was so and I was like, oh, I love where he's going with this, but that's going to take a long time. And I just felt like I don't know if the world's ready. And then this came along and just like just the advance in technology. And I said, this is going to be the kick in the butt that I think it needs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I feel like this is going to be the way that we can spin it and fast track it. So I, I don't know. Do you kind of feel optimistic in that way? I do. And uh, this is something I talked to Vu about and um, something that always resonated with me um, that I've read uh, a lot of, of his writing on and community-centric fundraising, but trust-based yes. philanthropy is, mm -hmm. it, I think that's the right direction to go. Um, in my life, though, I've experienced that trust is something that takes a lot of time to build. Yeah. And so I agree it's, it's the ideal underpinning, the ideal uh, framework for these relationships to have, but to build trust takes so much time. And what, what nonprofit, especially little one, has a bunch of extra time lying around, you know? So I think it's really, there, something had to give. We kind, of, we kind of know pretty clearly in many ways how the sector should be better, but there hasn't been much room um, to, to try to make changes to get there or, you know, it's, it's happening, but I think this can potentially uh, free up. Uh, so Beth Cantor and Allison Fine, who wrote the Smart Nonprofit, they call it the dividend of time. Um, mm -hmm. That I think coming back into a nonprofit's equation, back into the funding systems equation, we have to be really precise and seek that dividend of time and then figure out what do we apply that time to that moves towards the things that Vu has been writing about in terms of shifting the culture. So mm -hmm. that there's nothing more precious in my mind than time and the, right. that capacity. So right now it's so hard to get any of it. If we can take these technologies and unlock some more time in the system, that I really hope gets applied to those efforts. And so that's how I see them potentially working together, but definitely it's gonna take coordination and awareness and intention to do that not just like free up some time and then fill it with more junk which is right. something that you know a lot of people do myself included so I think just really that's why it's great to talk about it and have uh, set the culture together and be accountable to one another I think that's something that's really really uh, that's what I hope for for the field yeah and it's just kind of like what you we were talking about as far as a grant writer when they can free up their time, like you mentioned, then they can have better, you know, they can actually have strategic thought on how to do those relationships, how to build out, like, and that's, that's what's so important, but often we're like, I'm just in it, I'm writing the grant today, I'm, I'm up till two in the morning writing the grant, I don't have time to think about building that relationship or taking someone to lunch and have, building the trust, right, and all of those things, so that time that's what we can do with it, right? And that's where it's like, I feel like this is really kind of positioning too. I know this is kind of like 
I don't know, out there abstract a little bit, but it's almost like we've been so left-brained for so long, you know, like with STEM and pushing and, and pushing these kind of technologies, which is great. But what these technologies are now allowing is more of that right brain to come into. And how do I think about this though? Right. So it's almost like aligning the, the left and the right brain kind of, you know, to think about processes, which I think is really cool. So, but yeah, like thought time, when you can have time to think about your nonprofit, that's amazing. That's when real change happens. Or to not think about your nonprofit. <laughs> to those EDs out there. Um, yeah, whatever you do with your yeah. time. You know, coming from a place of like personal wellness, organizational wellness, community wellness. Yeah, lack of time causes so much uh, harm and, and, and hurt in this world. So it's, it's the system we live in that just, you know, monetizes and grabs up all of our time. Um, and it's so hard to resist that pull. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, to bring it all back, you know, grant writers, grant professionals do so much more than the writing. I mean, I, they, they obviously they are called grant writers, but I think the, the field has already evolved to a point where we're talking about these kinds of subjects. And the fact that we're talking about time and wellness and processes and systems and uh, you know, equity and relationship building, all of that stuff is very um, cutting edge. And I, and I think that as grant professionals, uh, those are the things that we will continue to have to build into our work that our clients are going to want us to build into our work. And I think what we've been talking to about today in terms of AI and, and that technology, it it plays a role in, in helping those, those new pieces to flow in, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really well said. Absolutely. So this has been so great having you on and hearing this perspective and just this conversation, because I think this is, you know, we need to be talking about this and just to see, you know, yes, there's some natural fear, but there's also some hopefulness and there's some possibilities. And that's really more just about than just writing a grant, but these could lead to larger systemic issues that we have and, you know, equalizing funding and, and being able to access funding and all of these things, which is, it's so wonderful. So I know there's gonna be a lot of people that are gonna have a lot of relief after listening to this and maybe some hope, um, you know, and, and to really think about, okay, let me kind of dig in and see if that can allow me to have time. But <laughs> let me see how that can work. And that can allow like these other changes to happen you know, I'd be interested. So if, if they're really interested in this, there's a lot of different AI out there that they can look at. One that we've been talking about is Granable, that is your company. Um, so where can they find you and, and a little bit more about your company? Yeah, they can go to Grantable, uh, grantable.co um, and you can get started for free if you like. Um, I also write a weekly blog uh, that I call The Process. And uh, I'll share the link to that. It's philipdang.substack.com. Um, and those are just uh, thought pieces on exactly the kind of things that we're talking about today. I'm, I'm watching the world and I'm taking my background uh, in the nonprofit sector and writing about what I'm seeing and thinking at that intersection. These are really tricky problems. So I just wanna say I'm a learner from right alongside everybody, uh, but I think I have this unique role, you know, working on Grantable and being 
having my perspective. So I'm trying to share that out. But yeah, grantable.co, uh, philipdang.substack.com. Uh, would love to, to build our community. We have about, uh, we actually passed 2,500 uh, users today. So milestone for us. So please join us. And uh, we're still easy to get in touch to uh, touch with. So let us know what you think. Um, we, we, we really try to uh, be in close, close contact with our community. So um, I thanks that. for that opportunity. And I love your newsletter. Yeah, absolutely. I love your newsletter too. Um, I just subscribed recently, so I was able to like read more about it and everything. So I love it. Um, all the stuff that you guys are doing over there. Um, encourage all you grant writers to go ahead and subscribe and really, you know, see all the what you're writing about because it is very interesting and it's so quick. So it's nice because there's so much information out there. So it's nice to have someone like you and <laughs> kind of processing it, helping us process like yeah. one kind of subject at a time. <laughs> yeah, somebody else. I mean, yeah, I've spent all this time. It can't just be for my, you know, like I, I do spend a lot of time every week trying to boil it down and come up with ways to explain it as story. And so I love sharing it. And then the last thing I'll say, you just reminded me, you know, every any which way that listeners are feeling right now is totally fine totally normal it's and we need every one of those perspectives if you imagine ai is like this big horse that can like pull the world forward there's folks that are gonna tie you know tie a rope to it and like try to pull it in a, in a really harmful direction and so i really 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 want the nonprofit sector which is human-centered and planet-centered and justice-centered i want everyone no matter the perspective to get their hands on AI so that we can pull it towards outcomes that are aligned with those values. And so the one the one perspective I just hope people won't take is to ignore it or dismiss it or really check in with how you're feeling. If it's unpleasant and your 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 uh, your urge is to just ignore it, like try not to. There's community here that is feeling the same way, and these these conversations, like on your podcast, Holly, like we need to be in conversation, and hopefully everybody can try it at their comfort, but try to understand it, try to gain control over it in your life, in your work, so that we know what we're all talking about, what we're all dealing with, and we can pull that horse, you know, towards pulling humanity to really good outcomes. But I think that's really kind of what's happening here. If we all take our hands off and say, no, it's not for me, there are other people that will guide this this force towards aims that might not be so great. So just to leave that last minute there. I love that. Yeah, and, and it's true. It's like, just try it out. Like you might think, you know what? I know a lot of nonprofits, one of the things they're not happy about, they're like, they're like okay, we'll write a grant, but social media posting that. And I'm like, have it write you some social media copy. And they're like, oh, I can do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's some little like flavor in there that's really spicy and nice that you might find that helps you become a little more comfortable with it, right? So that's also too like, what's that thing on your plate that you have to write or do that's like kind of the bane or the monster in your existence? Could you have AI do that and see if you can offload some of that, right? Think of it more like a like a, a virtual assistant, if you will, you know? Absolutely. Let it free up your higher functions, your creativity, your, your strategy, strategic thinking. Um, don't use it as a band-aid to just like, you know, spam your supporters. Like, but there's a way to like do this in the right way. If you have a feeling where you're like, hmm, that might have been too easy, listen to that feeling. But if you have a sense of, of genuine relief and pleasure at doing something better now that AI is involved, that's the feeling to follow. It's like, wow, I've really elevated 
the work, I've elevated the content. So maybe AI writes the social media posts, but you are now able to have the energy to like tune each one. Whereas writing all of them might've been just like too much, but like really taking the time to craft each one and make sure that when you click send, it's not just an AI generated post, but something you two have worked on together. That's a sign of like, you're really, again, Allison and Beth call it co-botting. So like that is the signal that you're on the right track when you're getting a sense of joy and, and genuine relief from something that was really getting in the way of creating creativity and you're yeah. unlocking But if you have a sneaking suspicion that mm, this is really not something, like, uh, try to listen to that too, because you probably might not be using AI exactly how you know, it's meant to be. I love that. I love that note. Yes, thank you for that, because that is so true. It's like, still look it over. And it's almost like, yeah, it's like having someone kind of do something for you that then you can do quality control check on, and then you can really feel like, oh, now I have the energy to kind of put something into yeah, it. Yeah, like, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Right. That's right. Perfect. Okay. So thank you so much for all the work that you're doing. I know you dedicate so much time into leading this part of the industry and the just the thought process behind and your newsletter and everything. So great. So thank you for joining us for our community, the grant writers out there, the nonprofits out there, and I'll put all of the links for people to uh, connect with you in the show notes. Um, anything else you'd like to say before we close out today, Philip? Just a huge thank you to you, and I'm learning so much from how you put out your content and you create your your podcast and host your guests and the the great questions you ask the energy that you bring to the to the community so just i'm taking notes because i'm still a very a, a rookie here so it's uh it's an honor to be on your show and i hope, hope we get a chance to, to do it again sometime absolutely yep what about like two weeks you'll be back on <laughs> okay yeah next gpt5 <laughs> back back with us phil yeah. A weekly segment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I hope not. I hope we have a little more time than that. But no, just thank you so much. This is really fun to talk to you. And uh, I can't wait till next time. Awesome. Well, thanks again for coming on the Grant Writing and Funny Show. You guys once again, Philip Dang with Grantable. And we'll have all of the links again. Thanks so much, Philip. Later. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Philip Jang from Grantable. What a fantastic conversation, which was much needed as I keep getting all these questions about AI and ChatGPT with grant writing. And I myself am also discovering and playing around with it and seeing what works and what can really streamline things. And it is amazing. So do check it out. Check out Grantable to see how it can really apply for you as a grant writer. You can check out ChatGPT. There's other AI software out there. But Grantable is one that is very grant writing specific. Once again, you can go to grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 279 to find out more about Grantable and to get all of today's show notes, including how to join the two-day nonprofit consulting conference coming up August 23rd and 24th, and for all of our free resources that we have at Grant Writing and Funding. You want to transition into becoming a grant writer, you want to join our free grant writing class, all of the things that we have for you to increase your grant writing skills and to start and grow a freelance grant writing company so you can earn a five to six figure income while working from home. All right, as always, if you love this podcast, please do me a favor, leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast player, and that does help other change makers out there find all of the free resources we offer here on our podcast. And exposure to our valuable guests like today's own, Philip Dang from Principal. 
All right, I will see you guys next week. Happy summer.